Uh, good morning. My name is Adam. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Huntington Community Church, and we are just so excited to have college students back. I, I feel like Huntington is better when college students are in town, and so welcome back, college students. Um, uh, we're a church that really, um, really loves campus ministry. Uh, the Lord saved me when I was a college student in 1998 at Marshall, and I love being a part of a church that has a heart for uh, the campus. So we really, we really believe in college students. I, like a lot of times, like people look down upon college students that you can't do much, you don't really have much money, you, you, you don't make great decisions. There's this whole millennial idea that you guys just are screwing up America, pretty much it's your fault. I, I don't believe in that. Uh, I, I believe God's doing great things through your generation. Uh, I see a generation that wants to give, wants to do things um, well, that, that, that you want to take big risks, and we want to come alongside you and help you with that, and, and so we really believe in you. Now, if you're, I would say if you're here this morning and you're 40 and over, uh, you might be intimidated this morning. You might be thinking, wow, I don't really fit in with the people around me. Uh, I don't, listen, listen, please, I don't want you to feel intimidated by the demographics of this room. If you're 40 and older, I want you to be encouraged by the demographics of this room. There are churches that are begging for college students to come to their church, and they can't get them, and and they're coming here in masses, and so uh, you're important. If you're 40 and older, you're extremely important. We we need your wisdom. Uh, We need you mentoring, discipling uh, the college students, and so please don't feel like, well, I'm too old to go to this church. I don't really fit in. No, you're exactly who we need here. So um, we're, we're glad you were here this morning. Uh, and, and just this week's been incredible, just getting ready um, uh, for students coming back. Yesterday we had a big day of rec fest and um, just got to meet a lot of incredible students. Last night in this room we had a, uh, what was called a night of worship where we were going to meet on campus, but the weather was kind of spotty, so we just went ahead and did it here. And... Uh, Dave Thompson, are you here this morning? I don't know if he could be here. Dave's not here. But Caden, Caden, just wave your hand. Caden was here last night at like, I don't know what time that dude got here, but he was here setting up lights. He had this place. It was incredible. I thought about just changing church from morning to night just because of Caden's work. Dave did a great job setting up lights and just doing stuff for us last night. Spent hours. I have no idea what time that dude got home last night after tearing down. So, Amy, please just share that with him, that we are thankful for Dave um, and Caden. I don't want to leave out Caden. And then also just the guys that came last week for construction. Students, like I don't know if you're aware, if you've got to use the bathroom, there's, there's like two single-stall bathrooms. We were this close of having two multi-stall bathrooms. We were so close. But uh, the toilets that we ordered end up not working the right way, like with construction. So thank you for your patience. We still have two single-stall bathrooms, but they're functional, so use them. But hopefully soon, we will have multi-stall bathrooms. But guys came this week. They were here past 10 o'clock, and I came in early the next morning. They were already here working again. So I'm just very thankful for those men who came and, and for the wives that, like, let us borrow those men. So appreciate you guys so much. Um, I love this church, just the heart that you guys just want to serve, you want to do great things, and so I appreciate you using your gifts for his kingdom. 
Um, as I mentioned this morning, we're in Genesis 12, and so we're kind of, again, between two series. This summer, we've been going through um, this series called the, the Story of the Promised Child, Genesis 1 through 11, and we've been tracing this verse uh, in Genesis 3.15 about there's this offspring who's going to come, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And so we've been tracing, who, who is this offspring? Who is this child that's going to come, that's going to be victorious? And um, ultimately, that's going to lead us to our series we're starting in a few weeks, um, The Arrival of the Promised Child. And so it's a little foreshadow of who we think the promised child is. It's Christ, and that's what the book of Matthew is trying to argue and show us that he is this fulfillment from this verse in Genesis 3.15. Uh, that he is this promised child. And so that's, this is the journey we're on. And in, in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, it's really connecting Jesus to two important figures in the Old Testament, um, David and Abraham. And so this morning, continuing with Genesis, that's our next big story is Abraham in Genesis 12. And it's like, you remember if you've been journeying, so there's this promise made. To Adam and Eve, that, that their child is going to be victorious, going to redeem mankind, and it's sort of highlighting these men. Like, is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be this baby boy? And we saw it wasn't Cain, it wasn't Seth, and then, and then we thought, maybe it's Noah. Noah was a righteous man, did all that the Lord had commanded him, and we thought, man, it's going to be Noah. But then we see it's not Noah. Noah wasn't the man. And then you get through an, another list of, 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 of baby boys. And then we uh, get to uh, the next one that it looks like, and it's Abraham. Is it Abraham? And that's kind of where the story is right now. Is Abraham going to be this offspring that's going to rescue man? Uh, and, and we'll see it's not. It's not him. We'll see a man today that um, he, he is he's righteous, he is, um, but it's not because of his good deeds. It's because he had faith. He believed in God, and God counted it as righteous, um, righteousness to him, and um, and, and, but you'll see this morning uh, that, man, his life is messed up just like yours and mine. That here's this guy that God, God, he, he makes him into a great nation. And yet you're going to turn around at the end of this chapter and, and just go, man, I cannot believe he did that. that. That the Bible is full of all these guys that maybe we'd call heroes. And, and God says, don't, don't look to them. Don't look to them. Abraham shouldn't be your hero. There should only be just one hero. It's Jesus Christ. That's who we look to this morning. And so Abraham's going to point us there. And so um, let's jump into Genesis 12 this morning. I know we have so many guests here uh, that you weren't here last week. So let me just sum up last week. Last week we were looking at the story of Babel, the, the, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And, and, and we looked at Two outward expressions of two inward sins. Two outward expressions of two inward sins. And the outward expressions were um, building a city and bu building this tower, trying to be like God, trying to get to the heavens. And the inward sins that we identified were a love of security and a love of self, pride. And um, just talking with Dustin this, this week... Um, he just reminded me, he said, man, if you think about it, all the problems that we go through can really be boiled down to story of Babel, Tower of Babel, and the Garden of Eden. That if you look at Garden of Eden, you have like this idea of guilt and shame. 
they were hiding, and there's guilt and shame, and then here you have pride, insecurity, control, and most of our issues can probably be traced down to those things. And, and so this morning, man, this morning is an incredible story about risk, about looking at security and comfort, and then just believing God has something better. And just taking big risks for God, even though you might, under, you might not understand it, might not make a lot of sense in this moment, but you're willing just to lay it all aside and just chase after Him. So let's, uh, let's dive into this passage this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right, let's stop there. This is so important. So Abram, at this time, you see his name is Abram. It's not even Abraham. Um, Abraham, Abram is 75 years old at this point. We'll see that in a little bit. Uh, he's 75, and um, he's established. He has a wife. Um, he has no children at this point. We see back in chapter 11 that his wife Sarah, or Sarai at this point, uh, she's barren. She has no children, can't have kids. Um, he's 75 years old and pretty wealthy. Like, he's, he's been established. Um, we see in verse 5, if you just jump down to verse 5, we'll come back to verse 1. But verse 5, we can see that he's wealthy because it says this. It says, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. So this is his nephew. And all their possessions that they had gathered. So they had possessions. So they weren't broke and poor. Um, and then look at this. And the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Um, and, and, and so here's this idea that, that they, he basically was wealthy. He had people who worked for him. So think he's a businessman. Um, and so he's got all these, uh, he's got this huge farm, all, all this livestock. He's got people who um, are caring for the for the, uh, um, his animals, um, he's got hired hands here, and so he's wealthy. Now, let's go back to verse 1. The Lord comes to him at 75, okay, so you guys in your 18, 19, you can't even fathom 75. I mean, that's like, that, you're like creeping on death if you're 18, 19, you think about 75. Here's Abraham at 75, and, and the Lord says, Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And he doesn't say where it is. He just says, I need you to trust me. I need you to go. This is huge. So what Abraham is leaving at this point, if you, there's three things you see there, country, kindred, and father's house. Country would be like his identity. That, that's all that he knows, that's who he identifies with, his people. At this point, they live um, in Ur. Ur, just U-R, is, uh, it's like southern Iraq, um, near like northern Kuwait. And, and at this point, they leave Ur with, uh, with his father and his other brother. And they go to um, Haran, which is like modern-day Turkey. So they're in um, Haran, and the Lord speaks to him. He says, I want you to go to this land, and I, I, will, I will show it to you. But you leave your country, leave your kindred, everything familiar. 
your comfort zone. That's your sweet spot. God says, I want you to leave your identity. I want you to leave your things that you're familiar with. And then the last is leave your father's house. That's security. See, in this culture, when your father died, you received an inheritance. Depending on what, what child you were, like the oldest son got two-thirds of the inheritance, and then the other children split that other third. And, and, and so that's where you got your money, your security. Your father would take care of you. Uh, usually they live close together. Sometimes uh, we see in the New Testament where um, a, a house... Uh, a son would build onto the father's house, literally. And, and, and so he, he's being called, like, leave identity, who you are. Leave everything that you're familiar with. And then leave security. And go to this place, and I'll show you. I mean, think about that. I mean, how, how many of us would be ready to take that risk? Uh, that's what God's calling us. God's calling us to take risks. We see it in the New Testament when Jesus is gathering his disciples in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Uh, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, immediately they left their nets and followed him. I mean, I, I wish I could say uh, that I have that kind of faith. That God says, follow me. Be obedient. Go to this place. Because for me, my, if, if, if it was my story in the Bible, words like immediately wouldn't be in there. It would be, well, Jesus says, follow me or go. Help start this church. I'd say, well, then verse 20 for me, it would say, and Adam thought about it. Adam asked a lot of questions. But here it just says they immediately left their nets and followed him. There's something about trusting Jesus. Disciples looked at him, and they had a pretty good gig. They were in their father's business. And this was, this was safe, familiar. This was risky. Follow this dude that I don't really know who has nothing to pay me. And we have no idea where we're staying, how we're going to eat. They all right, sounds good. Let's do it. That's why I love college students. I mentioned this last week. As you get jobs and start having kids, that's why I don't think the disciples were, you know, older. I think they were younger. And because and, and, there's just something, you college students, you want to take risks. Like, I'll, go, I'll go do it. Let me charge the front lines. As you get older, it gets harder. And let me just say, like, college students, like, what's your major and why? Is your major something that, that you just really want to uh, be able to serve the Lord, or is it just about gaining a bunch of money, having this cushion, comfortable life here? Because, you see, that's not what God calls you to. God calls you to take risks. I'm not saying that he's saying that you've got to be broke. But don't just go get a major, an education, a marshal, just so you think you have an easy, secure life. God's calling you to something great. And listen, your parents are going to ask you about church today, and they're going to say, did you go to church? And you're going to say, yes, I went to church, first day here in Huntington. 
They're going to say, what did the pastor talk about? And you're going to say, he told me that I shouldn't have a job, uh, I shouldn't have a degree that's about money. And your parents, some of your parents are going to say, don't listen to him. Because when I, I worked with BCM um, for eight years here at Marshall, and I had those parents call me and, and say, why did you tell my son or daughter uh, that who, they want to go into ministry? Why did you tell them that they should chase after that when they should be going to med school or pharmacy school or to be an engineer? And he said, ministry, they don't, you don't get paid much. I say, I, yes, I know. But there's nothing that makes my heart beat, and I get up every morning excited about what the Lord is doing. Why would you want to rob that same excitement for your son or daughter? But yet they're going to have a lot of money to be miserable, I guess. So you can tell them I said all that. God's calling us to take risks. One of my favorite missionaries is uh, a guy named Jim Elliott. He, he was martyred, uh, he, he died in 1956, uh, was killed on the mission field. And, uh, and, he, and he looked at, he looked at, the, he said, I can have this life, it's secure and comfortable and safe, uh, or I can have this, it's risky. And, and he looks at it and he's like, which, which, which is going to be better? Count the cost. And he's like, forget this, I want this. And Jim was, uh, was known for this quote you see on the screen. He says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, that's what the gospel is begging you to ask. See, we chase after these things that we think bring us security and, and, and comfort, but they're so fleeting. And it could be relationships, it could be a drug. It, it could be something. We think, if I just have this, I will have comfort and security and joy. But yet all those things are fleeting and can be taken away from you. But Jim realized, and this is what I realized in 1998. This is really, I was a business major. And, and, and for me, I don't, I don't know how many of you are business students. I, I love that we have a lot of medical field here and educators because I think those you naturally want to care for people but in the business department there's it's more like inward I want to get mine and, and really for me when I started looking at the gospel it was this incredible business transaction that, that I, I'm going okay I can have this or, or this something that can't be taken from me something as I begin to look at and study it's far greater. There's a greater treasure here. And, I, and the Lord convicted me, and I just thought, why would I want this? And so I, I saw that having what I cannot lose was worth giving up what I cannot keep. And in 1998, I just, I surrendered. I said, Lord, I can't, I don't want to chase after those anymore. I, I, I want this life. And God was so gracious to rescue me, and Gave me an incredible wife, uh, incredible family. My wife was the one that was up here doing prayer for nations. Uh, she got her education degree at Marshall. And she's taking a risk right now. She could be starting um, school here. Um, but for her, 
her conviction after teaching for several years was to lay that down. And uh, we have six children, and she's homeschooling our children. Um, and that's so risky, but I admire her for just saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just invest in my children, my family for this season. Um, and, and, and so uh, are we taking risks? So when you look at Genesis 12, 1, there's just this risk. And Abraham, he, he had this, do I want to leave this and go to this place that God's going to show me? Well, let's keep reading. Let's see what God does. God actually tells him, I'm going to do some incredible things in your life. In verse 2, you're going to see five promises that he makes to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation. You're going to see these I will statements. And those are like, take those to the bank. Those are promises. It doesn't say, I might, I could. But he says, I will. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here these, he's, he's weighing out, and this sounds really good, very, very much like Jim Elliott, like this is comfortable and safe, this is what's familiar, but I'm going to take this risk. Option A sounds really good, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to chase after it. And so in verse 4 we see Abraham went. It doesn't say Abraham questioned. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about this great nation thing? It sounds great, but can you give me more details? Um, what does it mean that you're going to make my name great? It just says Abraham went. And, and here we see that he's a man of faith. How do we know he's a man of faith? Because he's a man of action. Actions and faith go hand in hand. And, and, and we see that he goes, and so we know that he has faith. He's trusting the Lord here. All of your actions are traced back to some inward faith, something that's motivating you, and Abraham goes, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, so that's his nephew. Lot's father had died earlier, um, and so Abraham just kind of took Lot in. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Um, 75 years old. So God makes a promise to him that um, I'm going to make your name great, uh, which is an interesting play on words from chapter 11 to chapter 12. Chapter 11, we see the lineage of Shem, Noah's son Shem. The name Shem in Hebrew actually means name, literally. This guy's name was name, all right, if that's not confusing. And then so, so his his name is name, and then chapter 11 is all about the lineage of, of name. Okay, you still with me? The lineage of Shem. And then we see in chapter 11 this, this Tower of Babel being built, and they wanted to make a Shem, a name for themselves. They wanted to be made much of. And God flips us around. Those who want made much of, God will humble. Those who are humble, God will make much of. Abraham was a humble man, and God says, I'm going to make you into a great name. 
He says, I'm going I'm to bless you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And we'll see what that means here in a minute. He's 75, verse 5 and 6. says, Abr Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moriah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So here's the land that God's given him. It's a land that people already possess. Um, and he gets there, and um, he sees all these people. And verse 7, the Lord appears to him again in verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, if you've been with us this summer, and you, when you see that word offspring, you should just get excited, like, like lights should come off in, in your head, like offspring, that's important. Genesis 3.15, offspring. You should connect those dots. And so here there's this promise. So there's a promise made back in Genesis 3.15 that this offspring is going to come and be victorious. Here, this offspring, there's another promise made. That this offspring, I will give this land. And so, again, we see Abraham's faith. He, he, he builds an altar there. There's no command for him to do this, but he just does it. He's just worshiping the Lord because it's just in him. He's, he's showing thanks for this, for this promise. Now, what's interesting about this? You're 75. His wife is old. She's barren can't have kids, and the Lord says to you, your offspring, um, I'm going to give this land. That's crazy, right? Like, he's going, no, no, it's impossible. And God says, don't ever say that about me. Never say that about me. That through me, all things are possible. I'll do a great work in you. In fact, a little later, God will appear to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I want you to just look out in the night sky. See all those stars? How many are there? And Abraham begins to count them. He's like, I, I can't count them. There's too many. And God says, so will be your offspring. There will be so many, you can't even count them. And at this point, he's 75. His wife's barren, can't have kids. And, and, and he doesn't doubt here. He doesn't question, how do we know? He builds an altar. He worships, Lord, thank you so much. I cannot wait to meet my child. This offspring is going to be incredible. We keep going. Uh, verse 8, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still toward the Negev. Now, so he's moving around here, but all this land that he's moving around in, we'll see a little later that God has given all this land to him. This is what we would know as Israel a little later. That God creates this boundary. And so Abram's moving around and 
my goodness, this is incredible. He's 75. And God says, I'm going to do a great work in you. I'm going to give you this land. I've got these five promises for you. You're going to be a great nation. And there's going to be so many offspring you can't count. He's 75. You know when the offspring finally comes? He's 100. In, uh, in Genesis 20, uh, you'll see that Abraham was 100 years old when his son was born. Think about that, 25 years. Let me just make this real for a moment. What has God called you to? What dreams do you have? And how quickly do you begin to doubt God? 25 years. So that's longer than most of you in this room has been alive. That God makes this crazy promise that you're going to have children. All right, it's already crazy, right? We're all there. His wife's barren. They're old. That's already a crazy promise. And then he takes 25 years to answer that promise. Where would you be on that journey? How quickly on those years would you begin to doubt? And just say, Lord, I can't do this. I don't trust you. You don't keep your word. I've been faithful. Look what I've done. Look what I've left. And yet God just says, just, just trust me. Just be patient. I'm doing a great work in your life. And you just see Abraham just continually to be faithful. Now, I don't mean perfect. He does some really dumb things along the way, and that's how this chapter wraps up. He, 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 we'll see in verse 10. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Okay, we'll, we'll stop there and just think about that. Think about God's calling him. He's, he's got wealth. He's got his family. And God says, I'm going to give you this land. And, and, and the land that he gives him, when he gets there, what does he see? A famine. Now, how many of us would begin to curse God in that very moment? God, how dare you? You tricked me, God. You told me you were going to give me a land. It's going to be great. God, I, God didn't say it when it was going to be great. He just says, I, I'll show you this land. I just need you to trust me. The following verses that won't be on the screen, but here, here in, in our passage this morning, it's crazy because Abraham begins to lie. That, so because of this famine, they go to, they go to Egypt. And at this point, we want to make much of Abraham. Oh, wow, look how incredible he is. When they get to Egypt, his wife Sarah, they, he was like, well, they're going to they're gonna know if, if we're married. They're gonna, they find you attractive. They may kill me if they find out you're my wife. So just say you're my sister. So that way they won't kill me. And so they go to Egypt, and that's what happens. People start saying, hey, who's this? Oh, that's my sister. And, and so he allows men to take Sarah. And, and finally they figured out, like, wait a second. No, that's actually your wife. 
but this is, this is Abraham. This is the man that God is going to make this great nation out of, um, that he's going to bless and, and, and um, give this offspring to. This is Abraham. He is not this promised child that we're on the search of. But I I want you to see here that that this calling that Abraham received, man, it's this thing of risk. It's it's looking at things like security, which we're all kind of drawn towards, whether you're, you know, a child or whether you're older. we, We love to be safe and secure. And God is just, he's wanting you to search your heart right now. Are you willing just to follow him? To put it all aside to chase after him? Here in this story, we see that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of these promises. That, that they're fulfilled in this offspring. Jesus fulfills Israel. All these promises made to Israel. Jesus is that fulfillment. Jesus is the great name. Um, there's no name greater than Jesus. Um, Jesus is blessed. Um, um, those who bless Jesus will be blessed. Those who curse Jesus will be cursed. Think about it. When he says to Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. This is a picture of Christ. That every nation, the way they'll be blessed is through Jesus. Through receiving Jesus as this promised child. Every nation will be blessed. That's what we talked about the last few weeks when, when um, last week when we looked at the Tower of Babel, how all the languages are different. In Revelation, we see that all languages will be gathered around the throne celebrating Jesus. There's coming a day where all nations will be around that throne celebrating Him. All nations will be blessed. Likewise, every nation or every individual that mocks or curses the name of Jesus will be cursed. God's wrath will be poured out upon them. They will have to answer for how they treat Jesus Christ. And so here you see Jesus being this fulfillment of this promise to your offspring, I will give this land. So what do we do with this passage? How how does this apply to you and I? God's still calling us today. He's calling us to search our hearts. And and there's so much irony in our lives. Like, we think about the earthly things that we so desperately cling to um, with the the hopes of, like, those things giving us security and comfort. Those are often the very things that that, um, get in the way of true security. You think about that? The things that we think were going to bring us security and comfort, those are often the things that really deceive us or get in the way of true security. True security is found in living for God and depending on His promises. That, that's what true security is. That, that we're living by faith, trusting that God's fulfilling these promises that he cannot lie to us, that he is faithful. And, and, and there's a calling for all of us this morning. This is what God's calling us to. Um, at least this. 
at least this. Matthew 10 says this. Says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So that, this is the calling God's calling you to, to look at. This is a great exchange. You're chasing after these things that's familiar. Maybe your identity's wrapped up in. There's security here. And, and God's saying, get rid of it. Don't, don't love those things more than you love me. And when we tell our kids, we're already telling our kids this truth. That they should love God more than they love us, mom and dad. And we want our kids to understand that mom and dad love God more than they love children. And that might sound crazy to some of you parents, but that's what God's calling us to. That we abandon everything and chase after him. That we count the cost. And so this morning I want you to count the cost. Will you leave identity, security, comfort, things that are familiar to you and chase after something that's risky? Will you take up your cross? You see the language? That it could be like Jim Elliott's life where you are murdered on the mission field. Jim Elliott's team died in Ecuador. He died in 1956 going to a people group that was extremely riskful, risky, and, and he took that risk. What's God calling you to? I know he's at least calling you to this, to abandon this fake security and give it up for this true Real security in Christ. What else is he calling you to do? Some of you, it might be a job change. It might be a major change. You haven't even started class yet, and you're already going to change your major. I can't do my, I just know. Let me just tell you, let me introduce Chris Atkins to you. Chris is a member of our church. Chris knows he'll be really busy. Chris works at Marshall um, in many different areas. One of those is helping students figure out what they're called to do. And I love being able to send Chris, students to Chris. But there's a, a godly man there saying, hey, let's, I want for you what God wants for you. Parents, there may be some risk God's calling you to do. Kids, maybe, I don't know. Uh, look at like Cameron and Caden. I see you guys in here like, Man, take risks at school for him. Like, there's going to be kids that are getting bullied, that are made fun of. It's going to be risky. Your popularity is at stake. Going and talking to those kids and befriending them and being kind to them. I pray that you'll go to those hallways, to those kids who others make fun of and love on them. Show them the love of Christ. What risk? What is God calling you to do? Man, don't chase after security and comfort. Those are, those are lies from the pit of hell. 
You're going to love your life so much more when you're chasing after the things of God and finding security in Him. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to keep singing. Starting this church was extremely risky. Um, especially when Pastor Steve from First Baptist Canova said, Hey, I, I, got, I got this crazy idea. Let's start a, a campus. Let's start a church in, in Huntington. Um, and, and let's kind of start it around college students. And um, let's just, we know that a lot, most college students aren't going to church. So let's just start a, a church there for them where they can walk to. And man, it was extremely risky. About 50 of us left First Baptist Canova to come to Huntington to plant a church, not knowing what it would be like. And, and that was about eight years ago, nine years ago. And to look out now and go, man, I'm so glad we took that risk. Jamie, it's worth it, right? Like looking around, it was worth the risk. Uh, seeing what the Lord has done that there's a very few families from that initial plant eight, nine years ago um, that most of the people here are, uh, are people we've picked up from, you know, the, the, the last five, six years. And, man, it's been such a fun journey to be a part of this church. Um, about three years ago was another opportunity um, the Lord put in my life. I love BCM. The Lord really reached me as a college student through the ministries of BCM. And, and I had the greatest job. And um, I got paid, get this college students, I got paid to be on the college campus without going to class. Okay? It was incredible. And, and really the Lord put on me like, no, I, I want you to be a part of the church. I, I, I think what you're doing... I think it could be beautiful if you do it from your church. And um, I remember going home telling Olivia, and she's like, no, that's not what the Lord's saying. He's not saying that at all. Like, she would have been completely satisfied to die doing BCM. And through prayers, uh, and I'm telling you, just being honest, it wasn't like Abraham. It wasn't like the disciples. It wasn't immediately we left our nets and went. It was, let's just pray about it. And the Lord began to change our hearts and in 2015, we, we were hired here, and uh, uh, it's been an incredible journey um, to be a part of this. And through that, the, uh, the Lord hired Rob to come here, so we picked up Rob and Beth. And so that's been fun. Uh, they wouldn't have been here if we would have stayed with BCM, but now to have you guys here in Huntington has been incredible. And so very thankful for how the Lord's working. And so, man, like, don't be afraid to take risk. We are a church that want to take risks. If you want to be comfortable and safe, this is not the church for you. I encourage you to find another church because you're going to be miserable here because we're going to ask you to do things that you're not going to want to do in your flesh. And, and we, want to, we, we want to do that. We want you to be uncomfortable. And so we want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone, take big risks for God. You will never regret it. There's not been one night where I look back and anything big God's asked me to do, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Every time, man, Lord, thank you for that. It was hard. 
There may be a famine where he calls you to, but it's a sweet spot to be in the will of God. So I just want to encourage you, just take those risks for God. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Father, I pray that we are a church that would be willing to take big risks. That we can take those big steps of faith because we know we have a bigger God. That you're going to be walking the whole way with us. That when we get to the famine, you've already been there. That when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are walking with us. That you are leading us through that valley. You might actually be preparing the famine for us. That we might be growing more in that valley than on the mountain. And so, Lord, may, may we just thank you for the difficult times. That we often grow stronger and more through those than through the easy days. And so, Lord, may we just be risk takers. May we be like pioneers like Jim Elliott that would just go lay it all down. So, Lord, may you raise up missionaries here that that will go maybe to some place, to a people group that have never heard the name of Jesus. May that be even our children, Lord. May we have our hands around our children very loosely that we would send them out to something maybe even dangerous, Lord. Because ultimately we know that they're just as safe with you on the mission field than they are here in Huntington. So God, may we just be obedient. May we trust you. Lord, help us to stop questioning you and playing the what if. What if this happens or what if this? And Lord, may we just say, what if we just trust the Lord? What would that look like, God? We stop questioning you in our, in our finances. And we just say, what if we trust you? Lord, may that be the theme of our church. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.